Thank you so much for joining us as we begin this study on the book of Romans. I want you to know this is going to be a slow and thorough process as we begin to study Romans. We're going to look at it verse by verse. We're going to break down each verse. We're not going to get in a big hurry as we study the book of Romans. The book of Romans is a phenomenally important book. In fact, Adrian Rogers tells us that he believes that it's the most important book that's ever been written. We also uh, see a quote from Adrian Rogers, and he says, and he tells us that uh, this is the book that has changed the world and so has great teaching and preaching through this. John MacArthur also said, uh, most if not all of the great revivals and reformations in history uh, of the church have been directly related to the book of Romans. And so no doubt it was the book of Romans that uh, uh, that brought Luther uh, to his convictions and to his beliefs as uh, Martin Luther began to study that and realized the things that they were teaching and preaching and proclaiming in his day was not right. And so as he studied the book of Romans, the book of Romans changed his life because he began to understand the gospel. And he, he as he began to understand the gospel, it was there that he realized that it was by faith and faith alone that we are saved. And so apart from the book of Romans, we would actually be in very sad shape. And so as we study the book of Romans, the book of Romans is very, very important. It's about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so as it's about the gospel message of Jesus Christ, so, well, I'm a Christian. Why do I need to know the gospel? Why do I need to understand the gospel? Well, as a Christian, it is very important to understand the gospel. I believe the more a Christian knows about the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the more madly in love he's going to be with Jesus, the more he's going to grow in his faith or her. I also believe that the more Christians know about Romans and know about the gospel, I believe the more they're going to be evangelistic, the more willing that they're going to be to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. So the book of Romans is an extraordinarily important book to know. It's an extraordinarily important book to study. And so we're going to dig deep into this. We're going to take it slow, as I already said, break it down verse by verse and look here in the Word of God. And so when we begin to look at it, begin to study it, first of all, who wrote the book of Romans? Well, very first word right there is Paul. Paul uh, took credit for writing the book of Romans, and he did write the book of Romans. There's debate on that, but really and truly when you look at that debate, it's from people that don't believe the Bible anyway. And so we're not even going to pay attention to all of that. The apostle Paul very clearly wrote the book of Romans. The church of Rome accepted the fact that the apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans, so there's no need to get into debate on that. He opened up and he gave a very brief introduction of himself that we're going to look at next week when uh, we continue our study on the book of Romans. But uh, when we begin to look at this, well, when was it that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans? When did he do this? Well, most people believe that it was at the end of Paul's third missionary journey. It was there that he was at Corinth. He stayed quite a long time in Corinth. Uh, and so a lot of people believe that was around AD 58. It was at that 
that time that uh, it's believed that he wrote the book of Romans. Uh, He ends the book of Romans in Romans chapter 15 and verse 25. He said, but now I'm going to Jerusalem to serve the saints. And so as he's on his way to Jerusalem to serve the saints, we also see this uh, uh, time frame of when he did this, which gives us a good time frame of when the apostle Paul did write the book of Romans. And we find that in Acts chapter 20 and verse 16, that the Bible says that for Paul decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. And so there we see a collection that was taken for the saints and their collection was being brought there to Jerusalem, to the saints there in Jerusalem. And so it was this time that the Apostle Paul had finished writing the book of Romans and it was sent out. And so then he went on to his journey to Rome. The Apostle Paul also said that it was his desire to go and see them on his way to Spain. As we understand that the Bible tells us, uh, Jesus himself tells us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that uh, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the world. And so the Apostle Paul had his third missionary journey, completed his third missionary journey, and his work wasn't finished. He wanted to go to Spain. Now, we don't truly know whether he ended up making it to Spain, but that was his heart. That was his desire to end up going to Spain. We also find, uh, as we look at this, that it wasn't the Apostle Paul that established the church in Rome. That's very clear uh, within the book of Romans itself. In Romans chapter 15, the Apostle Paul uh, tells them that he's, he's eagerly wanted to come and see them, but he's been prevented time and time again. In fact, we don't actually know who established the church in Rome. There was some folks in Rome uh, that was there on the day of Pentecost. They could have heard the gospel. They could have gone back and started the church in Rome. Rome was a uh, city that people from all over the world traveled to. So, So maybe somebody heard the gospel somewhere else. They went back to Rome. Maybe that's where they were from. And as they went back to Rome, they started the church there. The fact is, we don't know. Anything is speculation. The Bible itself doesn't tell us who established the church in Rome, but what we do know that it wasn't the apostle Paul, and Paul made that very clear that he had not yet visited the church, and it was his desire to go there to minister to the church. And so that gives us the reasons of why the apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church of Rome, because we need not forget that the epistles that we have in the New Testament, the epistles that Paul wrote uh, is epistles, and even Peter wrote and John, are are letters that were being written to the churches. We have the book of Philemon that was written uh, directly to him, and so we have these letters that are written, and Timothy and Titus and all are written to individuals, but others are written directly to these churches. So the apostle Paul wanted to write to the church that was in Rome and tell them that he was coming to see them on his way to Spain. He was going to stop by and visit with them, but he also had some purposes in going by and uh, the church of Rome. He tells us here in uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 11, he tells us, uh, 
He says, for I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. And so what did the apostle Paul wanted to do? He wanted to stop off in Rome and he wanted to minister to them. He wanted to impart spiritual gifts to them to be able to minister to them. It also says there in verse 12 of Romans chapter one, he said, that is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. And so not only did he want to minister to them, he wanted them to minister to him as well. And so we begin to see that very clearly, even more clearly in verse 13. He said, I did not want you to be unaware, uh, brethren, that I have often planned to come to, uh, to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as a among the rest of the Gentiles. And so he wanted to come. He wanted to minister to them. He said they could share in the partaking of the ministering to one another as uh, they minister to him and he ministers to them. Uh, but he also wanted to come and have, have some fruit among them. And so what type of fruit uh, did he want to have among them? Uh, he made that very clear in Romans chapter 1 and verse 15. There we find in Romans chapter 1 and verse 15, he said, So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And so what did he want to do? He wanted to bear fruit as he did amongst the other Gentiles. And he wanted to do that by coming to them and preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So as the Apostle Paul preaches the gospel message of Jesus Christ, we find that through that, he wanted to have some fruit among them. He wanted them to be ministered to. He wanted them to grow. He wanted them to mature in their faith. And as they grew and as they matured in their faith, they was also going to see other individuals who didn't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ come to the saving relationship of Jesus Christ by through the preaching of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We also see as we look at the back of the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 15, he had some other reasons of wanting to go. Remember, he was on his way to Spain, and on his way to Spain, he wanted to have a ministry partner. And so, as he was desiring for them, an already established church to be there, be his ministry partner. In fact, uh, it, it was clear that he was going to an established church. He tells them in Romans chapter 15 and verse 20, he tells them this, and he says, I thus aspire to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, so that I would not build on another's foundation. And so he wanted to come to this church. This church had already had, had been founded, but not to build on that foundation in that sense, but certainly that others can be saved, but that he could use that foundation, the foundation of the church, the foundation of the church that had been established through the proclamation of the gospel message of Jesus Christ so that they could be his ministry partner. He tells them in Romans chapter 15 and verse 25, he said, but now I'm going to Jerusalem to uh, to serve the saints. And, and so as he tells them this in verse 24, he said, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in my passing and to be helped on my way there by you. When I first 
enjoy, uh, I have first enjoyed your company for a while. So he tells him, I'm on my way to Spain. Uh, I'm going to stop by and see you. I'm going to enjoy your company. Again, another reason for uh, having the, uh, for, by stopping by uh, there in uh, Rome. But he continues to build upon this. He continues to establish this. And he says in verse 28, in uh, Romans chapter 15, he says, therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on by the way of Spain to you. So he's making this very clear. He's on his way to Spain. He keeps telling them this. He keeps informing them of this fact. And it's building up to a purpose. It's building up to a point. It's not just because he wants them to know where he's going next, but he wants them to be a ministry partner. Spain is the uttermost parts of the world. The gospel had been preached in Jerusalem. The gospel had been preached in Judea. The gospel had been preached in Samaria. And now the apostle Paul is wanting to go to the uttermost parts of the world. And with that, he needed that ministry partner. And he tells them in Romans chapter 15 and verse 30, he said, Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. And so there it was, as the Apostle Paul made very clear what his plans were. He's going to stop by Rome and for a little while. He ended up actually uh, staying there a lot longer than he intended. He ended up going there in uh, handcuffs as a prisoner. But uh, so whether or not he made it to Spain, we really don't know. It's really unclear. But he wanted them to pray for him. And so if we're going to partner with missionaries, if we're going to partner with those those that are going out to the uttermost parts of the world, or even if it's somebody that's starting a church on the uh, you know town next to ours, or somebody that we know that is doing a work for the Lord and doing a mission for the Lord, what greater way do we have to partner with them to start off that partnership with them is to pray for them. And so he desired their prayers. He coveted their prayers. He, he, he was asking them specifically to pray for him. And so friends, if the apostle Paul needed prayer, we need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. Every missionary needs prayer. Every church planner needs prayer. Every pastor needs prayer. Every evangelist needs prayer. Every minister of the Lord needs prayer. He continues on in Romans chapter 15 and verse uh, 32, and he says this, he says, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. And so he wants to come and find re refreshing uh, rest in uh, their company. And as he does this, he is coming for that purpose to be an obedient servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 31 tells us that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea and that my servants from Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints. So that, that was his heart. That was his desire for the furtherance of the gospel, for the spreading of the gospel. And so he asked them very specifically to join with him. 
to join with him in that, in prayer. And so no doubt it was probably also his desire to, uh, for them to help them, uh, to help him financially as well. And so as we recognize this, that it was his desire for them to help him financially, we begin to understand that we find in this, we find through the Apostle Paul, we find in the Word of God, we find a, the uh, really the formula uh, for supporting missionaries. First of all, he introduces himself, and he comes and he writes a letter sharing about himself. He's going to come and he's going to further explain about himself, but not him. He's not really, he's not talking about himself. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the message that he is going to be preaching, the message that he's going to be proclaiming. And so he makes that extraordinarily clear in the book of Romans. And so when he did go to Rome, he did preach the gospel. He did preach the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when you look at the book of Romans, you find out, you know what, that really is what the book of Romans is all about. The book of Romans is all about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. When you look at the outline of the book of Romans, you find in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 1, through verse 17, you find an introduction. Paul very briefly introduces himself and lets him know about his credentials and who he is in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, but then he goes right into what the gospel is, who the gospel is all about in that introduction and sharing a little bit more of his heart. We're going to look more in depth in that uh, as time goes on. Next week, we'll be looking at Paul's introduction of himself in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. We also find in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through Romans chapter 3 and verse 20 that the apostle Paul makes a very clear argument uh, that all humanity is unrighteous. All humanity Humanity is unrighteous. The Jews are guilty of breaking the law of God. The Gentiles are guilty of breaking the law of conscience. And so every single one of us have sinned. Every single one of us have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so he makes a very clear argument about that. Then we find in Romans chapter 3 verse 21 through Romans chapter 5 and verse 21 that the righteousness of that only comes from God, a righteousness that can only come from God. We, we have no righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own. And the only way we're going to be able to come into the presence of God, the only way that we're going to be able to spend eternity in heaven is by by having that righteousness, no unrighteousness can come into the presence of God. No sin can come into the presence of God. And our only hope of righteousness is a relationship with God. And so that's a righteousness that only God can provide. We also find in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, uh, all the way through Romans chapter 8 and verse 39, we find the righteousness that we should grow in. So once we come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, once by faith we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we are saved, you know what? We need to grow in that righteousness. We need to grow in that relationship. We don't stay babes in Christ. We continue to grow. We continue to mature and that we mature even because of the gospel. And then he says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, 
through Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, he tells us how uh, we walk in God's righteousness. How do we walk in God's righteousness? How do we live in God's righteousness? I skip Romans chapter 9 through uh, verse 11, apologize about that, but we find God's righteousness vindicated. The Jews rejected Jesus. The Jews, as they turned their back upon Jesus, they turned their back upon God. Well, what about that? Well, God is righteous in that. God is righteous in that, as we'll see that uh, all of Israel is one day going to come back to God. Uh, those today, there are saved Jews today, but they're saved the exact same way we are by placing their faith in Jesus Christ. And when the, the uh, nation of Israel is going to turn back to Jesus in the end days, they're going to be saved the exact same way we are by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then he closes it up with his closing remark in Rome, ro remarks in Romans chapter 15 in verse 14, all the way through Romans chapter 16 and verse 27. So when we look at that, we begin to recognize the, uh, the, the gospel is central to the book of Romans. But then we ask ourselves, well, what's the theme of the book of Romans? Well, what is the central theme that runs all the way through the book of Romans? Say, so, well, it must be the gospel. Well, the gospel is a part of it, but what is the central theme that you find all the way through the book of Romans, all the way from the first chapter, all the way down to the last chapter? It is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is the central theme of the book of Romans. Even when we see the gospel, why do we need uh, the uh, why do we need salvation? Because we're unrighteous. Why does God provide salvation? Because He is righteous. How do we grow in our salvation is through the righteous act of God, uh, the, the righteous grace of God that we're even saved and the righteous uh, gift of God through the inner working of the Holy Spirit within the life of, an, of, of a believer that we grow in our walk with Jesus Christ. So uh, the, the, the uh, book of Romans is all about the gospel. And so why is it the central theme, the gospel? Well, Romans chapter 1, in verse 16. We'll look more in depth at this later, but Romans chapter uh, 16, uh, ver, uh, 1 and verse 16, the apostle Paul said that I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. Well, it's about the gospel. Isn't that the, isn't that the theme verse of the book of Romans? Well, it goes on in verse 17, and he says this, for in it, for in what? For in the gospel, for, for in the gospel that the apostle Paul said that he is not ashamed of, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written by the right, uh, uh, but uh, the righteous shall live by faith. So in it, in the gospel we see the righteousness of God. But also the righteous shall live by faith. Well, a lost person who is unrighteous is saved through the gospel. But what about the saved person? 
It's only the saved person who is declared as righteous because the Bible makes it extraordinarily clear that all of those who are not saved are unrighteous. But the only way that we have righteousness is through the saving experience with Jesus Christ, through our redemption, through that born-again experience by uh, coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It's only then that God, who is totally righteous, places His the righteousness of His Son, who is totally righteous, upon us, who are, to, who are totally unrighteous, and then therefore declares us as righteous. It's only through the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So in the saving gospel, God is declared as righteous. And in our growth and walking in that righteousness, God is declared as righteous because it is, as the Bible says, by faith, from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith alone. That's not the lost man. That's the saved man. And so the righteous man, who is the saved man, because that's the only way we're going to have righteousness, is by being saved, shall walk by faith. Not by sight. Not by our own will. Not in accordance to the ways of this world. In fact, we are to reject the ways of the world, as the Bible says here in Romans, to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we walk in God's righteousness. God's righteousness and God's righteousness alone. So as we continue in this study, I pray that you continue to join with us. I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you until uh, our next lesson, as we'll be looking at Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. We're going to be looking at Paul. We're going to be looking at who he is. We're going to be looking at his credentials again in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. So study that. Look at that. I'll post this again next Sunday evening. But between now and then, I want you to do something. I want you to memorize Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Memorize it. Hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. Until then, let's all keep our eyes focused upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith.